Hello, everybody, and welcome to In-Depth, presented by the San Antonio Express News. My name is Luis Vasquez, and I'll be your host as we bring in journalists, editorial board members, and columnists to give us an inside perspective into the stories they bring to the Express News each week. Today, I'm joined by Express News reporters Jacob Beltran and Guillermo Contreras. They joined the show to talk about the disappearance of Lina Sardar Kiel. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Jacob, Guillermo, how are you guys doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having us. Yes, thanks for having us. I'm doing, doing well. It's a pleasure to have you, Jacob. I know it's your first time. Guillermo, we've talked before in the past. Uh, this story has kind of gripped San Antonio. Why don't you give us a quick little primer of where we are, or how we got to where we are today? Sure. So a lot of this started back on December 20th. It was around 5 p.m. Uh, Lena was playing outside on a playground at Villa del Cabo Apartments over a 9,400 block of Fredericksburg Road with her brother. And at some point, uh, her mother had lost sight of her for a brief moment. She ran around a, a, a pavilion on the complex, much like any child would in any place. And suddenly, when she got walked over to check where she had ran behind, she lost sight of her uh, in an instant and uh, couldn't find her since. So from that point, she searched the apartment. She called her husband. Uh, Lena's father came home, started looking as well. And when they couldn't find her there, they reached out to police who came in. They brought canine dogs to search the area. They had their Eagle, which is their police helicopter. And unfortunately, Lena seems to have vanished without a trace. It feels like we're always being watched. There's cell phones everywhere. How did this happen? What uh, I know, Guillermo, you were writing uh, on your latest article that the case seems more like an abduction. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, um, you know, I guess at, uh, at this point, uh, some of the uh, investigators I've talked to are um, they're former FBI agents, and they've uh, one at least has worked uh, several of these type of types of cases. And uh, he was just talking about how the time goes on, where uh, where you know you've done these searches and you figure um, uh, they just t- take a look back and think of most little kids. Yeah, generally they'll you know if they're on their on their own, they'll kind of stay to the area. And so the fact that you know there's that. It, that she hasn't, and nothing's turned up of her, you know, any kind of evidence of her in the area, uh, makes it kind of a suspicious, uh, you know, in the eyes of, of these guys. And so <clears throat> they they believe that the more that as time goes on, that it's un, that it's unlikely that she just wandered off on her own because you know maybe by now they would have uh, searches would have found something, you know, clothing, some something to to uh, show that maybe she, you know, for instance. Uh, Unfortunately, may have succumbed to. The, we've had some cold temperatures, um, so they say at this point, if she had been out on her own, she wouldn't have made it. So uh, their gut feeling she might not is have that, gotten too far. Yeah, and and uh, so their gut feeling is that that you know maybe just in that the instant that the mother's eyes or the parents' eyes were in honor, that somebody you know either you know she wandered and somebody picked her up by chance. One of these. People uh, that, uh, you know, just might live in an area. It's, it's a very high traffic area. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, uh, like a, a few, not just one apartment complex, but I think there's two or three in the area. So uh, the, the investigators are kind of surmising that if uh, one of the things that they think, uh, these are retired agents, they think the 
investigators might, might be doing is just looking at who might live in the area, who might have some kind of history, um, and maybe start taking a look at those people. Um, because uh, as one, of the, one agent put it, is that they generally return to an area where they feel comfortable. Okay. Um, so, so, um, so those are just kind of things that they've just kind of, that they've gathered as far as part of the chatter. And, uh, Jacob, you and Guillermo have covered different angles to this story. Guillermo more the FBI side, which came later on in the investigation. Look, can you talk a little bit about what SAPD was doing in, uh, at, at, at the, at the start of this investigation? Sure. So when the investigation first started, uh, SAPD immediately, combed the apartment complex they've brought in dogs they've brought uh they brought in cadets to search green belts around the apartment complex they've i mean even just standing outside the apartment at one point you could see officers periodically driving around the apartment grounds on an all-terrain vehicle um and so they've put out tip lines they're constantly getting tips the chief william mcmanus himself has said that even though it doesn't look like there's a lot going on on the outside behind the scenes there's always a flurries of activity as investigators are trying to piece together you know what little bit they have to try to develop new leads uh and since this happened there was one lead the chief didn't elaborate on what it was but they were led over to hubner and babcock that area, there's a drainage ditch where they started searching along a, um, uh, some water to try to see if they could find evidence. And that's actually when the FBI got a, its dive team involved um, straight out of Washington, D.C. to see what they could find. Unfortunately, after a period of searching, they didn't have any leads. Um, I think it was about two days that they looked uh, before they came back and said that didn't develop anything out of that. So um, police have just been all over this case from the start. At what point did the FBI jump in? Was that the first point, the the, the, the dive team? Was that the first time they, they joined the case or had they joined the case prior to that? No, the FBI was brought in pretty quickly, uh, bringing in their child abduction response team, behavioral analysis unit, data exploitation units. And I know even though the sound of abduction response team makes it seem like she's been taken by somebody, but SAPD has maintained that this is a missing person's case and it's being handled as such so far. Yeah, they, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of these cases, sometimes it, the, the investigators have to be careful about how they word it. Um, in, a, in a sense, uh, you know, one of the investigators uh, is a uh, one of the investigators that is kind of has this, uh, does this freelance um, missing persons kind of uh, organization that has retired a- agents. He mentioned that sometimes um, they'll hold off calling something an abduction um, and missing person because um, in, in, in some cases they don't want the, the person, if, if somebody did take, uh, you know, a, a child um, to not, panic and leave, you know, or, or do something uh, rash. Um, and it's also a way of preserving evidence, you know, if it does turn out to be an abduction. Um, so, uh, so, you know, and this is, this isn't necessarily from inside the FBI itself, but uh, from his experience, that's, he, 
he says that that's the way they sometimes treated it. He had a case, for instance, in Chicago where they where they initially uh, called it a missing uh, missing persons case, and then um, you know after they reviewed surveillance cameras, it was it was clear that it was uh, an abduction, um, and so. Uh, you know, so sometimes they have to be careful about what they say. But, they, you know, a lot of these units that they brought in are specialized. And uh, SAPD and the FBI generally have a very good working relationship. So some of these units, the FBI already has them here uh, in San Antonio on site at their local field office. Oh, so it's not like someone came in it, well, they were no, here and they're they, using those resources. Well, what happens is that they, the, the local agents make a call decide, okay, you know what, we're going to, if this turns out to be uh, in a you know, potential abduction or something where an interstate nexus comes in, that's where the federal law gets mostly involved, you know, then they make, they'll make a call, you know what, we need more expertise, more equipment and all that stuff. Most of that specialized stuff is being, is, is in our headquarters or in our regional units. So they'll decide to bring in, you know, if they need, in this case, uh, they needed to search uh, the creek. For instance, they bring in the dive team that had has specialized equipment. Um, the retired agent told me that, for instance, that they'll have equipment that helps them see underwater, you know, things like that, that, uh, you know, SAPD or the local uh, law enforcement may or may not have, you know. So uh, so that's part of the of what they can bring on board. Uh, it's not necessarily, you know, like you see in the movies, the FBI coming in to take over anything. It's to, in this case, it's to help uh, complement what the, the local law enforcement may have. One of the last articles that you wrote, Jacob, was about the Amber Alert being discontinued. What does that tell us about what's going on? Um, so honestly, it doesn't tell us a whole lot of new information. Um, from what I understand, discontinuing the Amber Alert is part of the course for an incident like this. Uh, an Amber Alert, much like bringing in the FBI's die team, it's another tool that the state itself, the state of, uh, state agencies have at their disposal that they use sort of a catch-all net. You know, you hear the FBI with their uh, child abduction team, while well, the Amber Alert uh, also may seem to uh, indicate that there was some sort of abduction. It's really just the most efficient and effective tool to push information out about Lena Keel. You know, you, you can easily look at her entry, you can see her face, you can see a descriptor of her. And that really spreads fast and it lets people know who to be on the lookout for. Discontinuing the alert um, doesn't really indicate, you know, that there's been a change in the investigation. Uh, it just, uh, it, 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 like I said, it's, it's simply running the course of an alert. It served its purpose to this point. Uh, they've, they've got the word out that lean is missing. And frankly, it's still, uh, as you can see, dead center in the public's attention. There was a point in, I think it was in December, that a bag of bones was discovered. What can you tell us about that? It was not related to Lena. Right. So that bag of bones, um, at the time, they didn't know immediately whether it was even human bones. Um, they could have also been animal bones. Uh, normally, if they were human, we would have heard something more by now. It would have kind of opened up another investigation, but we haven't heard anything since. And the medical examiner, we haven't gotten any updates as to who they are or if they are that of an animal. 
Um, but that's something that if it does develop into something, you'll definitely see some more media coverage either in the near future or, or sometime. And Luis, let me tell you about this. Um, this disappearance has really affected the community that lives in this apartment. I know some people in San Antonio are aware that we have a lot of refugees who live in that area. Um, but there is a very large Afghan community who fled a, a very war-torn country. And it's not something that myself or a lot of others uh, from San Antonio would be familiar with. Uh, Lena herself was born over there. And she, though she was uh, very young, she still was caught up in a suicide bombing attack when she and her mother were attempting to flee last year uh, as Taliban insurgents were uh, overwhelming, overwhelming the uh, Kabul International Airport. So even as a young child, she's been through more than most American girls would go through. And for her to come here to the United States, you know, experiencing what they thought would be freedom, relative safe, safety, it seems to be that much more of a blow uh, to suddenly have her go missing. I did not know any of that. Thank you so much for <laughs> for your reporting. There just hasn't been that much, that many updates. That's uh, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, and that's um, you know, that's that's kind of it seems kind of frustrating sometimes for the community because they want to know, you know, <laughs> just like uh, and so we try to stay on top of it. And sometimes when they don't, when law enforcement doesn't uh, either want to disclose something or 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 trying to keep doesn't have much, you know, they just. Uh, they sometimes just uh, refer us to, you know, statements they may be made the day before or things like that. So, okay. um, you know, but in, in times, I mean, they're, they're still, I know they, they'll get leads, they'll, they'll check them out. Some of them can be far-fetched, you know. Um, but, but they have uh, to check so, them all out. Yeah. And like they said, you know, you have to check them out, even if they're, they're pretty far-fetched. I think there's, you know, somebody was talking about uh, sightings, potential sightings. And so, you know, I think police checked them out and, or investigators did, and they haven't been, they haven't panned out. All right, gentlemen. Well, thank you so much for you guys' insight on this. Uh, Jacob Guillermo, uh, I'd love to have you on the show again, maybe on some lighter news. Uh, but thanks again for your insights. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks for having us.